And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio, Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 11 to 11.50, sharing with you Christians from around Indianapolis community who are doing good, based on Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. Do good, do good, do good. Cominius Institute is sponsoring the Warp and Woof Radio show. At Cominius, we cross three bridges. First bridge we cross is into college. We do our work at IUPUI, meeting with young Christian college students who are really interested in thinking Christianly about their subjects, their disciplines, questions, and issues that come up on campus. And we are there encouraging and engaging those particular discussions. Grateful, of course, for those opportunities. I also teach on the campus of IUPUI. I'm grateful to be uh, there with some excellent, excellent faculty. The second uh, bridge that we cross is into community, which is what we're doing right here, right now. Uh, we are doing this through radio, through our radio program. We've been doing the radio program for over three and a half years now. We've had over 175 episodes, over 200 guests, Christians from around the community who are doing good. We are bridging cultures in lots of different directions and grateful to do so. And then the third bridge we cross is into culture, and we are constantly engaging lots of different issues and cultures. So if you're at all interested in seeing what we do in that way, go to our YouTube channel. You can find us at the CominiusInstitute.org.com. You can find my personal website, Warp and Woof, that's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org, and you can find all of our recent cultural interactions there. We do something on Tuesday morning called Truth in Two, and in that engagement, we are constantly engaging uh, cultural issues and concerns from a Christian point of view. But today, we have a special guest here with us. We're grateful for his uh, his time today, grateful that he's joining us from a great, great company, a great initiative here in Indianapolis called the Starfish Initiative, all about mentoring. This is Dr. Jay McNaught. Jay, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity. It's great to have you, and I, I know that uh, you have some uh, very interesting background to your life and that make connections to you with Starfish. But before we get going in that direction, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of biographical background. Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much you want, but I, uh, I kind of come out of a corporate background as far as my work goes. I've uh, been in some companies like uh, Samsung, Pfizer, uh, actually locally, uh, Synergy, which before that was Public Service Indiana, in, in all cases doing learning and development, doing leadership development, mm -hmm. um, um, and, and even some coaching training, things such as that. Those kinds of things really kind of set you up for what you're doing at Starfish, I suspect. But let's before we get to Starfish and that initiative, let me ask this question about learning and coaching and mentoring and all of the rest. Would you say that there are some universal principles that are generally true wherever you are, no matter who you are uh, in these arenas? Yeah, I would. <laughs> that's a great question. I not really thought about that, but yeah, I think I think so. I mean, as I think through, you know, what does it mean to interact with another human being at a human level? I, I, I definitely think there's there's a lot of commonality in all of those different disciplines. Well, let me pick up on something you and I were talking about personally uh, about your doctoral studies when we talked. We were talking about servant leadership. Uh, servant leadership seems to be you know one of those new things five to seven years in the corporate world, though it's certainly not new uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, how do you see this, uh, the Christian connections 
uh, to what you do, not just now, but really throughout your life and how you think about leadership and coaching and uh, mentoring from a Christian point of view? Gosh, um, <clears throat> great question. And, and actually, I think the whole concept of servant leadership in the business realm even goes back further than that, maybe 20 years or so. But, um, you know, it, as you look at it, as I was going through the doctoral program at Wesleyan University, you know, a lot of Christian principles are interwoven in the whole concept of, of what does it mean to be a servant leader. Um, you know, and I think that really, as, as you know, its foundation, you're looking back at an example that was that was uh, demonstrated by Christ Himself. You know, as as a, you know, you know, just this, this whole concept of the, the most effective leaders are those who have figured out how to to uh, kind of set their own needs aside and to to really um, look at the needs of those who they're leading mm -hmm. and uh, put them ahead of themselves. It's certainly, Christianity, I, I tell people all the time, is an others-centered religion. That is that our focus is on, not on ourselves but on others, as you well suggest. And that's really powerful and important. When you think about some of these baseline principles, uh, being a, a believer, um, how do these then impact how you do mentoring, coaching, leading, uh, no matter where you are and who you're with? So what are some of those principles that you might follow yourself? Gosh, you asked some really <laughs> challenging <laughs> questions here. No, I, I think that, um, you know, as you think about leadership, as you think about mentoring, as you think about coaching, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, kind of setting your own needs aside, mm -hmm. focusing on that other person, the mm -hmm. person that you're working with, and figuring out what their needs are, and and then, you know, from a personal perspective, I try to, you know, to really ask God to work through me to, to meet the needs of that person, no matter what the, what the uh, um, <laughs> structure is, yeah. whether that's mentoring, leadership, or coaching it really doesn't matter the organization so much as it as it does for us as Christians that the Spirit of God lives within us and that we're motivated and compelled by uh, who he is and what he has done uh, for us I, I'm thinking about shifting gears to the starfish initiative because that's what you're here to talk about so let's talk about the the connection that let's start first of all with what is starfish and then let's talk about the history a little bit okay so just fundamentally starfish the Starfish Initiative is getting ready to celebrate our 16th birthday. Mm -hmm. Been around in the Indianapolis area for 16 years. Mm -hmm. Basically, at its core, what we do is we connect one-on-one -on -one mentors, college-educated mentors, with disadvantaged youth. Um, the whole purpose behind that connection is to help those youth uh, make it through the college years, I'm sorry, make it through the, the high school years um, successfully with the idea of getting into college and, and then eventually into a meaningful career. Mm -hmm. so. That's really great. What do you, what are some of the big challenges that these young people are facing uh, and that you're helping them to overcome? So as you look at our target audience, uh, we serve where, where the 21st century scholars, mm -hmm. students who are eligible for that scholarship program through the state of Indiana, which means, you know, baseline, their families are at that national poverty level or below. Mm -hmm. So they're at a disadvantage that way. And at Starfish, there's, there's so many of those who are in that program at that level, so many applying who would like to be in the Starfish program, 
you, you end up having to prioritize. So you're looking for additional needs, additional disadvantages where you think, oh, this this person could really, really benefit from the, the mentoring relationship mm-hmm. and the program that Starfish offers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were seeing a lot of our a lot of our scholars come from single parent families. Large majority of them um, first generation college where their parents have not gone to college. Uh, so they, they don't have that vision. And we feel like the mentoring can really help from that perspective. As well as, you know, maybe other disadvantages that just kids go through in, in high school, the challenges that they may be facing or whatever. So it, it, it may be socioeconomic differences or difficulties, but there could be other things involved as well. Exactly, yeah. When you uh, talk about this to folks, you use this term scholar. So when you and I were talking ahead of the show today, uh, you mentioned that you are working with your scholar, which, you know, kind of stands out to an academic like me. You know, I'm thinking, well, that's really cool that you would call somebody that. So why is it that you do or use that word? I don't know. (laughs) No, actually, it kind of caught me off guard too when I first started working with Starfish. And it's like, well, here's a young mentee who we're calling them scholars. But I think that again, it goes back to that emphasis. Mm. You know, Starfish calls it the three C's. We focus on college, career, and character. And by I think identifying the participants in the program as scholars, it's it's placing that emphasis on the you know the, the college piece mm. of that we're trying to prepare them for. Do, when you call them a scholar, um, and maybe for the first time. Uh, how is their response? What is their reaction to uh, having that word affixed to their name? Is there a, uh, an enthusiasm, uh, a positivity about that, just generally with the students? You know, I, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know if I've ever researched that or ever observed it. How does your scholar respond to you when you re- refer to him well, as a scholar? You know, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't really. Re- Talk to him and hey, Mr. Scholar, I call him Tony, and so he responds well to that. But uh, in, in general terms, uh, I, I think okay. First of all, I think that coming into the program, I think that the, the students are aware that that's going to be the term that we use to describe them right off the bat. Because when we go out and we do the recruiting presentations, that's the term we're using. So I think they come into Starfish knowing that that's how they're going to be referred to. Mm. Uh, they're, they're, we're going to call them scholars, and uh, they, they seem okay with it. Yeah. So. <laughs> it, se- it seems like, frankly, a step up uh, in my thinking about how do you think about a student. Uh, to call a student a scholar really kind of gives them, a, mm-hmm. I don't know, a different mentality walking in, like, oh, maybe I might raise my game a little bit here. You know, that's uh, mm-hmm. That might be something that immediately comes to my mind when I think about young people that we any of us might actually work with. Uh, you said that the Starfish Initiative is celebrating its 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about how this uh, group came to be and what its history is. Okay. Um, okay. Some cheat sheets here. Yeah, go for it. Um, so it's founded in 2003 by a group of community leaders concerned about high school and college graduation rates for disadvantaged students. So there were a group of businessmen, the, the way I've heard the story, who got together and, and actually came up with this model where they thought that mentoring mm. would help. Mm. And uh, it was kind of born from that. Nice. So, um, you know, I've met some of those people who were in that original group. 
and uh, you know, it's just it's. I think it's really cool for them to see how the program has grown and evolved over the years, and some of them still involved with it. Are, when you say some are still involved in it, does that mean that there are some business people who are mentors at Starfish? Oh, I mean, yeah, definitely. We currently have 425 active oh, mentors. Say that again. 425 active mentors, and uh, yeah, we're looking. One of our goals is by 2022 to, to double the impact of the program. So wow. We're hoping by 2022 we have that number at 850. So wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it, it'd be interesting. Um, just in the interviews that I've done this year for new mentors, uh, so far we've interviewed 143 new mentors um, for the incoming class, if you will. Wow. And um, gosh, business people. I would say probably 90% are business people. 90% of the mentors are yeah. business people. Wow. Yeah, I'd have to think about that. Then. That's pretty cool. When you think about the impact of this, uh, you know, it, my first question is always going to be why. So I'm one of those why guys. I'm going to say, what is the reason, purpose, and meaning of whatever it is that we're doing? And I, I wonder if uh, the purpose uh, for business people to become involved in mentoring wouldn't be that they're really thinking about, hey, what kind of young people can I think about mm -hmm. providing for my company, my business into the future? Do you have any kind of intersection in that way with business folks? No, I, yeah, I, th I think that's right. In, in fact, uh, we, at the beginning of this year, we put together kind of a, a, a little essay that kind of talks about the benefits of mentoring mm -hmm. to businesses. Um, and, and I talked to a lot of mentors who have seen them themselves personally grow and be able to develop communications and leadership skills that they feel like they couldn't have developed otherwise that have directly impacted their careers, their own their own growth. That's great. And so I, I think you see a lot of that. And going back to your question, well, why so many, and I, I may need to qualify when I say business people are, the people who are in business. Sure. Um, in some cases, we've got a large number who are in healthcare. Um, so I don't know that that would strictly be a, a business, but I guess it kind of is. And I think part of it has to do with where, where do we find the ability to recruit? We end up going out to a lot of businesses. They invite us in to come and talk to their employees about mm. the opportunity of becoming mentors and uh, just, uh, you, know, you know, actually recruiting from within their ranks. And uh, I think those businesses see the value of having their employees participate in a program like this. And because of that, you know, that's why they invite us out. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was talking to a gentleman this, uh, this morning who um, owns a construction company. And he's like, oh, could you come talk to our employees? I'm, yeah, I'd <laughs> love to come talk to your employees. And uh, I was telling him, I'd probably do three or four presentations like that, if not more, a week mm. where I'm going out to different organizations, talking to them, and, and uh, you know, just uh, uh, sharing with their employees the need mm. as well as the opportunities for their own growth and development by becoming mentors. It's so, pretty impressive that business people would see this as a positive and a benefit. Not just, I'm sure they do as for their community, but also for their own business and for their employees. You know, that strikes me as really positive move on their part to say, hey, you know, our employees are really important people to us. 
Uh, we think this will be a benefit to not just the community, but to you. Uh, wow, that sounds really neat. And you get to talk about this all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management, did an article earlier this year that, that really dove into the benefits to organizations of providing volunteer opportunities for mm -hmm. their, their, their employees. And that they, they kind of broke it down into four categories. It's like benefits to the employees themselves, but then also benefits to the reputation of the organization, benefits to the community that they serve, and then um, you know future benefits as they go to recruit new employees. Um, being able to say we're the kind of company that that's involved this way in the mm -hmm. community and how that's enticing to the new employees coming into the organization. I'm going to have to ask you for that article. I got to go find that that article. That sounds like a good to you. Yeah. yeah. Now these are important ideas because when you stop to think about being in a community, being in a in a city like Indianapolis, the 16th largest city in the United States, I mean this is not a small thing. So you know we're talking about people who are really committed to this and connected to other folks that are important. They see it as an other-centered kind of view as well. Uh, I'm always thinking about Indianapolis in terms of uh, how it's different from everybody else and maybe its ethos and that kind of thing. It's a small, big city, so it really has uh, a different kind of, of viewpoint, but it's in the Midwest. And being in the Midwest seems always to me to be kind of different than, you know, elsewhere, being in the East or being in the North or South. Uh, there seems to be some kind of different uh, thought process and mindset here in this place yeah. <laughs> for, for what that's worth. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to Jay McNaught from Starfish Initiative. And Jay, just uh, before we go to break here, uh, tell everybody about the website. What's the, uh, what are the, what's the website call sign there? Yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> it's www.starfishinitiative.org. There you go. So yeah. Starfishinitiative.org. And you can go there and find out all kinds of interesting uh, information. Uh, I would encourage everybody, by the way, to go to the segment at the drop down at the top about us. Go to staff and notice in particular the diversity of the staff that's there uh, across the board. Just really impressive and amazing. The kind of thing I think that really is, is making a statement to other people saying, you know, uh, we care about everybody. Doesn't matter who you are. This is an important issue for all of us. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. We're going to take a one-song break. When we return, we'll continue our conversation with Jay McNaught. Thanks, nice, man. Amira is who I was working with. Oh, Amira. Is she still there? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sending you a picture. Yeah. If you are my, I took a picture of you and Mark. Matter of fact, let me get Yeah, you. let's get this. We always take a picture with uh, the guest and oh, okay. yeah, against the backdrop. I Facebook. Uh, oh, he's been snapping away. Yeah, this is what he does. You know, he's got to get his candid photo in there. I get the live shots to make sure people know that, you know, he can have some facial expressions. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing with him. He knows how I work. That's good. Thanks. Yeah, so we use all this kind of stuff for promotion when the podcast comes out later on. There you go. There's your... Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So I'm just going to send that in her little text back and say, well, look who's here. <laughs> <laughs> no, she is so pleasant. She's amazing. Can't even begin to describe all that she does. Nice. And the main thing I know is she's a Packer fan. So we hit it right off. Oh, yeah, off. that's right. We hit huge, it right off. I'm a diehard Packer fan as well. So you're from Wisconsin? No, I uh, played Little League for the Packers at Tab when I was like in 
so seven years old and I played and that was the same year they won the ice bowl. At seven, you know, for some reason I really thought I was on the Packers. You know, we won the championship that year. We beat Dallas and all that. So I thought I was on the team. You know, oh, that's cool. And so I played for the Packers at Dab and you know, start and then as I grew up and started getting into the intricacies of the Packers, you know, the only team that is publicly owned in this little bitty city up in, you know, how did y'all get a pro team? You know, it just became phenomenal to me. Like, oh, yeah. wow, this My is son, born and raised here, was always a Packer fan. Uh, and everybody here was Bear fans. Yeah, All because my Bear fan. the Colts didn't come till 83, so yeah. there was that kind of connection. Thanks for hanging in there with us, Facebook Live. We're going to come back uh, in conversation here in, in a few minutes. Uh, but thanks for uh, for being here and for all of the uh, waves and uh, highlights I see over across the way. I can't get to you like uh, like I might want to, but uh, we're grateful for your uh, hanging in there with us and thanks for watching. And for those of you who come later on for the podcast, uh, you want to pick up some of these important nuggets from Jay about uh, mentoring processes. That's really important. Where would you like to go in the second segment of this? Um. Good question. I, I think uh, maybe what it, you know what the process is to become yeah. a mentor. Yeah, good. You know, people are interested in becoming a mentor. Good. What um, you know, what they do, what the requirements, and all that. Okay. Kind of thing. Do you have uh, maybe a story or two of of uh, maybe somebody who's gone on from the program? Um, I don't have any. Okay. Readily. I mean. Yeah, you're, you're kind I always, of when that. I do do presentations, I show videos that have all those oh, things. Oh, okay. And I, I would, be, I would, I mean, I, I probably, I was talking with Ladarius about this, you know, because he does the recruiting for the, for the scholars, you know, and we're both wanting to kind of polish up some stories so that we can just have them at the top of our tongues to tell people. I mean, in the videos, they talk about, you know, they, they, they're showing people who have gone through the program and now have jobs, and mm -hmm. they're giving testimonials about things such yes. as that. Um, but, I, you know, you, you, in my position, I'm getting to see just this year the seniors, um, and, and um, some of them are coming into the office, some of the young scholars getting ready to go off to, to, to college, and just kind of the excitement that they're experiencing and so on. Nice. But... Um, that's great. Yeah, I, I I don't have a you know couple specific. It's fine. It's I can fine. talk about some specific mentors who were in the program. Let's do that. Yeah, Everyone interprets that. everything. Scott's so after this is over, then I'm Hi, I'm Dr. Mark Echo, president of the Cominius Institute. At Cominius, yeah, we interpret all we of do on the right stuff. Scripture. We and we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, Radio Next TV at the Cool Group site, every Wednesday from 11 to 11.50, sharing with you Christians around Indianapolis who are doing good in their community based on Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. Today we have Jay McDonough with us from the Starfish Initiative, grateful for his good work in the mentoring arena and all of those uh, who are engaged in this. Jay, let's just uh, go back for a moment uh, to connect to something that you said that made my eyes pop, uh, which was the number of mentors that you have at Starfish. Yeah. 
currently 425, but we've got the whole group of seniors getting ready to, to drop off now and a whole new group of incoming freshmen. Oh, my. And when you talk about seniors, you're talking about seniors in high school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you're recruiting not only uh, these young scholars to come in and be mentored, but you're also recruiting mentors themselves. Yeah, and that's my focus in the, in the organization. We have another uh, gentleman who's responsible for going out and working with the, the students and recruiting them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he's done his work. He's, he's yeah. identified the students for this year's program. So that's now, great. now um, you know, my responsibility is to make sure that we have mentors to, mm -hmm. to serve them. Sounds like you need to work hand in glove that way. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's an important process. So you talking about mentors, let's talk about the process that uh, somebody goes through to become a mentor uh, in your organization, the Starfish Initiative. Yeah, so the, you know, a lot of times people say, well, what were the requirements? <laughs> I actually had somebody ask me that this morning. It's like, well, the, the requirements are pretty sim simple. If, you, if you're a college graduate and you're 22 years or older, then you, you basically qualify because you have something that someone else needs. You have that experience of having gone to college and had had uh, the opportunity to kind of go through that and see the benefits of it. And you have now a vision that can be shared with one of our young scholars. Mm -hmm. So that that's the primary, you know, being able to breathe and mm -hmm. <laughs> take in nourishment and to finish college and, mm -hmm. and to uh, um, be willing, if you will, to kind of share your life. With, with one of these young people. Um, and it's interesting, sometimes we get asked too, you know, like, what's the common age group? And really interesting uh, experience, uh, day before yesterday, I had three different people interviewing to become mentors. One of them was almost right out of college, was, you know, not even, you know, was, was dating a young lady, but but not, uh, not married yet or anything, and he was interested in becoming a mentor. Had another gentleman who had retired from practicing law and um, recently retired, and he was interested in becoming a mentor. And then I had another um, lady who is a mom and has kids the exact same age as some of the Starfish scholars, and she was interested in becoming a mentor. Each of them for different reasons. You know, they, they each had something that they, they wanted to give back and saw the Starfish Initiative and being a mentor as a way of giving back to the community. But each of them at different places in their life. And I, I firmly believe that each of them will make really good mentors for different reasons. Yeah. You know, one recently going through the, the college experience, fresh in their mind. The other kind of knowing from a, a parent's perspective the challenges that their kids are facing and applying for schools and so on. And then the other, having gone through all of it and seen the, the benefit that his college paid, the dividends it paid throughout his career and so on, yeah. being able to share that with his God. So it's it's like we're finding mentors really throughout the, throughout the uh, what would that be? The spectrum, yeah. Yeah, the spectrum, the age, age group spectrum. Right. Which is kind of exciting to me. Um, and... Um, you know, the fundamental requirement is they're just, they're wanting to give back. They're, they're realizing the impact that they can have on this young person's life. Mm. The issue of vocation seems to be popping up here as well. You've got a retired law uh, person. You've got a mom, a homemaker, I'm assuming. Right? No, actually, she's a businesswoman. Oh, she's a businesswoman. So yeah. 
Well, of course, just to make this clear to everybody who's listening and watching right now, homemakers are business people. <laughs> we have a person who's actually practicing the Proverbs 31 thing that she's out oh, absolutely. And doing this a whole thing. And by that, I meant she runs her own business. She runs her own business. Yeah. And then you've got somebody who just come out of college. Yeah. Yeah. At 22 or 23, thereabouts. Yeah. And is, is working to become a financial advisor. That's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're crossing the spectrums of gender, you're crossing the spectrums of vocation, and also of age. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you go about matching up mentors and uh, mentees, or your young scholars, as you call them? So, there's, there's like three different criteria. The first criteria is we always do same sex match. Yeah. So, men are matched with boys, women, or girls, um, same-sex match. Secondly, we, we try to do a geographic match where we keep them within a 20-minute driving distance of each other. So we, we wouldn't match someone from the north side and someone from the south side where they have to drive an hour or something like that. Okay. But then beyond that, we, we begin looking at interests. And um, we, we go through a really lengthy process trying to learn the interests of the, the mentor and then a similar process to learn the interest of the scholar. And in many cases we can. If we find, for example, a young person who thinks they might be interested in um, you know, a career in medicine or something like that, but it would make sense to to match them with a mentor who's in the in the uh, uh, health profession um, or the legal profession or the you know business profession or whatever it may be, the sciences or the math, you know. So it, when we can do matches like that, that really helps. Mm -hmm. um, and then just looking at just kind of the, the casual interests of people, too. You know, I've got somebody who's interested in the arts, and I've got a scholar who's interested in the arts. Then, you know, that, that's really cool, too. Mm -hmm. So, so same-sex uh, connections, then you've got the connection in terms of logistics or uh, mm -hmm. placement just in real time in terms of location. And then you've also got this uh, connection with passions and interests, whatever it is that they might share together in that sense of things. When you uh, hear some of the stories of uh, your mentors, uh, some of the people that are actually doing this work, uh, what are some of the stories that they tell you or some of the stories that you might know about some of these folks? Um, you know, it, it's really interesting. First of all, stories about why people decide to become a mentor, to me, are fascinating. Uh, I had one lady who told me that when she was in high school, her parents hadn't, they, she was first generation college, so her parents had not gone to college. They really couldn't guide her or help her. Yeah. And uh, she felt, she said, I thought this was a great analogy. She said, I felt like in high school I was running really fast. I, she was an achiever. She really, but she said, I felt like I was running blindfolded. Mm -hmm. And I, I just had this vision of her running around. She said, because I didn't have clear direction. I didn't really understand what it was I was needing to do and what I needed to accomplish. She said, I would have loved to have had a mentor. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, because of that, I want to be that mentor to someone else. Mm -hmm. That's great. And then I, I hear stories that are the flip side of that, too, mm -hmm. where mentors will come in saying, and I get this a lot, I feel like I was really privileged because mm -hmm. I did come from a family where I had really good guidance, and because of that, because of that good guidance, I was was able to make make this beeline and, and really a, a, achieve a, a career that was the right thing for me. And it was just been, and because of that success they've had, they want to be able to provide that for someone who may not have it. Mm -hmm. 
So it's, it's like both sides of that equation. Yeah. Right. So I, th I thought that was kind of interesting. In terms of um, mentors, and you know, I, I, I get to hear all sorts of great things that our, our mentors are doing too. I've got one mentor who is, he's got a scholar who is interested in engineering, and our mentor has a great background in manufacturing. He's been a manufacturer's rep mm. and has contacts with lots of different um, manufacturing sites around the, uh, central Indiana and, and around the state for that matter. And his, he, one of the things he does with his scholar is really unique is he tries once a month to take his scholar to a different type of manufacturing plant and wow. show him the process there. And, and, and you know, just by doing that, he's keeping his scholar like really engaged in in that, and, and um, really focused on you know what why I'm, mm. I'm wanting to become an engineer, and uh, you know, th and that's kind of something that he just does because he has that kind of background, that kind of connection. Mm. Had another scholar who said that his uh, his, uh, his this mentor said that his scholar was. Uh, taking a U.S. history class and not so much struggling with it, but just kind of challenged to see why it fit and why it was important. And I thought this was really wild. He ended up taking his scholar to Washington, D.C. Oh, my word. No, it, you wow. know, it sounds like, well, that's really, and that's really unique. I mean, we, we not ask our mentors to provide transportation or do those kinds of, uh, transportation is not the right word, but take them on long trips. Sure, yeah. By transportation, but not necessarily on trips, and um, you know. But he had, in this particular case, I, the way he explained to me, he had some frequent flyer miles he could use. He had a, a sister who lived in Washington D.C., so she was able to put him up. So the mm. trip didn't really cost him a whole lot yeah. out of pocket, but it paid huge dividends in just uh, letting his scholars see uh, the capital and see oh, yeah. you know, all those different different uh, sites around there that really got him pumped up about U.S. history from what he was saying. I can only imagine that your, uh, that your focal point, you know, having been around for 16 years, some of these people gone on into other jobs and so on, that, but an opportunity like that, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking that's going to be something this young person will never forget. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that's what I'm hearing from a lot of the, the scholars or and a lot of the mentors too you know it's like I'll, I'll sit down with a mentor and ask them you know now that your your person's through high school and they're going on to, to college could they have done this without you mm -hmm. in some cases they'll say yeah I think you probably could have but what I'd like to think is that I've, I've exposed them to things I've I've um, introduced them to things and maybe they're going a little bit different direction than they would have gone had I not been in the picture. Mm. They've changed the traje trajectory of that person's life, mm. if, if you think about it that way. Wow. This is a, an amazing opportunity, I think, for young people in particular. You're talking about young people that are coming in as freshmen in high school, and I'm assuming from what you've suggested here today that, that uh, the opportunity for them goes from freshman through senior year, so four years? Yeah, what we ask of our mentors, um, we ask for a two-year commitment up okay. front because there's a lot of research that indicates if a mentoring relationship doesn't go for a certain period of time, you actually can do more damage with the young person than harm. Because a lot of times these are people who don't have um, 
long-term relationships with adults, or they've been, been uh, um, maybe disappointed by a lot of adults in their life, and we want this to be a, a consistent, steady relationship for at least a two-year period. The majority of um, our mentors go on to stay for the full four years at the persons in, hmm. in high school, the vast majority. So that's really neat. It shows the commitment that these yeah. folks are that they have. How often uh, do they meet the mentor and the scholar? So what we ask, uh, at a minimum, we ask our mentors to meet with our scholars twice a month, face to face. And then what we ask is that in the off weeks that they don't meet with them, that they try to stay in touch, mm -hmm. which more of that means send them a text. <laughs> sure, yeah. And of course, today in our world, text is you know kind of like second nature to most everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about my grandchildren and thinking, you know, we send Marco Polos to, you know, different people when we're in different places with them and uh, just so they can kind of catch up and see us doing our thing at that very moment. Lots of different ways to do that these days, uh, which is really kind of fun. Uh, when you're thinking about what you do at Starfish Initiative and all the different kinds of folks that are there, uh, and you suggested that you're in the middle of recruiting season, um, what does that look like for you? Uh, how does that kind of work out in terms of a timeline, a schedule? Are you anxious for uh, businesses, business owners to be in contact with you? What should they begin? Those of who might be picking up on this, going to make connections with you. Yeah, I mean, um, we, so a couple of pieces of that. Yeah, we are in the midst of recruiting season. July 30th will be our first match night, which is kind of a cool thing. We're, we're hopefully we'll have all the mentors we need with all the scholars that we need um, or that, that have been accepted into the program, and they'll get to meet each other mm -hmm. for the first time. Um, and I'm, I've not seen this because I'm new to the Starfish, but last year, you know, year, year, so I joined after match night last okay. year. Okay. But from what I hear, they do some fun things with that. Kind of play a bit of a scavenger hunt, try to help them find each other. Oh, nice. So you can just picture this room with, you know, 100 plus mentors, yeah. 100 plus scholars, all kind of milling around trying to find each other. Oh, my. And then they do a number of activities to help them set goals together, to kind of get to know each other, get to, to meet their parents, and so mm -hmm. on. Um, so match night's coming up, um, the first match night. We'll have this year more than one because we have increased numbers, so we'll have another one later in August. But um, we're kind of working backward from there. One of the things that that we try to do is, you know, as we recruit a mentor, there's an online application process that they go through. They, they fill out the application online. We do an interview with them uh, with the idea that we want to learn as much about them as we can. So through the interview process, we're discovering more about the mentor, and then. Um, we ask them to go through an orientation program, mm -hmm. um, and it's basically five hours on a typically on a Saturday that they go through the orientation program, where we're even learning more about them, and they're getting to kind of learn how to be a mentor and mm -hmm. what's involved and so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, then after the orientation, then we begin to to look at the matches and, and who we're going to match up. So mm -hmm. hopefully. Uh, this year, we'll get a lot of those accomplished before the first match night, July 30th, and then um, we'll continue with the process probably into August as we continue to identify more mm. more mentors that, you know, more specific mentors to the needs of the ones who aren't matched yet. So your job really uh, is to recruit mentors, the people that are going to spend time, business people. 
that's a, a primary focus of my job. My position is called uh, Vice President of Mentor Development, and that does definitely involve um, recruiting mentors. And also, we like to think that we spend time helping them develop and grow. Mm. So part of what I do then is to provide activities and uh, a curriculum, uh, kind of an elective curriculum, if they want to work on developing their mentoring skills, their coaching skills, their leadership skills, Get a program for that. So, wow, that's really impressive too. So the, there's a whole programmatic element. It's not as if the mentor is kind of dropped into a situation where they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, the orientation really does a nice job of, of getting them started. But then throughout the year, we'll supplement with elective programs. You know, little little modules here and there, like you know how to give feedback in a way that it's well received, or mm -hmm. how to ask really good questions, or you know how to be an effective coach. Um, you know, modules like that throughout the year that that are intended just to really help the mentors sharpen their skills. Oh, nice. So the emphasis that you're reaching with on a regular basis is really just helping people to help other people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like if, if I could say it that way. Um, when you're not recruiting people and you're not developing curriculum, uh, is there, are there other aspects of your job that you're invested with? I mean, outside of maybe meetings that you might have to go to, you know, with everybody else. Yeah, really, those those three things that you mentioned are probably the primary focus. I think, you know, first of all, recruitment, which runs five to six months, you know, we're mm -hmm. constantly doing interviews, working with uh, mm -hmm. incoming mentors, identifying them, and, uh, doing presentations for organizations. Um, Second piece is working on just the development uh, for the existing mentors. So we, you know, program of like I mentioned the curriculum, but then also planning other events. That we do we do like monthly, bi-monthly mentor meetups where we get the mentors together. We want to get together, to socialize, and learn from each other. Um, and then you know, third piece is just doing things like this to increase awareness of starfish. Yeah. So, this is important, and uh, it was nice that you and HB were made those connections uh, off screen here just uh, before the program started with uh, folks that you both know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You never know when the connections are going to going to be made, and that's uh, that's an important idea. Uh, one of the things that I just say this to everybody on Facebook Live, and I say this all the time to everybody. Uh, you know, if you really want to know. Uh, how to make connections throughout Indianapolis. You need to know Harold H. B. Bell. That's just all there is to it. Uh, the man knows everybody that's everybody, and uh, glad to be associated with H. B. Be friends here for the last four years doing this thing together. Uh, we've been having a great conversation here, Starfish, uh, Starfish Initiative with Jay McNaught. Jay, I wonder if, if at the end of our presentation, our program here today, if you wanted to leave people with something that. Uh, they walk away with the one thing that you want them to hear, what would that be? Gosh, how much time do I have? <laughs> yeah, how about two minutes? We'll give you two, two minutes. minutes. Well, I would say, you know, that if, if this sounds like something where you, where you feel like you could have an impact or you'd like to have an impact on a young person and, and really help them with college, career, and, and character, you know, we need mentors. Um, and... Um, you know, probably the message would be go to the website, start that, and take that first step. Uh, fill out that application, and we'll get with you right away to 
to kind of get you into the process and try to match you with the scholar where you can have an impact on a young person's life. So. That's really important and certainly um, the kind of thing that we need to hear more and more of, I think, in and around, not just Indianapolis, but the world. Uh, folks helping other folks, that's really an important idea. Of course, we come at this program from a decidedly Christian point of view, and our focal point is always going to be on community. Our interest is in folks who are outside of ourselves. Uh, Christianity is an others-centered religion. That is, we actually care about ourselves less than we do other people. And so we're always invested in uh, folks like Jay McNaught and others that he works with at the Starfish Initiative that really are doing great work in and around Indianapolis. Jay, thanks ever so much for being with us here today. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. And uh, once again, the opportunity to connect with HB. Um, don't miss that if you're listening to us in the podcast uh, on your earbuds or Facebook Live. Uh, make connections with HB. He's got all kinds of great things going on. Uh, autistic awareness, autism awareness is another great program. HB, just give them a little shout out about your 10 o'clock program on Wednesday morning. Uh, thank you, Mark. We just started today. The Spectrum is the name of the program. And uh, much like you and, and all these great people that come through Radio Next.TV, I've had a chance to learn so much uh, about Warp and Wolf and Comenius and what you do with all these great people in the community. And the same thing stands for Dr. Jane Yip, Autism Parent Care, uh, really raising awareness and reading information about autism to uh, a population of people who are, are really lacking information. And a lot of times uh, when we're talking about families of low income, they don't have the resources. Uh, Dr. Jane Yip accepts Medicaid now, so I'm just on my horse riding every day to make sure that we can have families now who would never uh, be able to get their child assessed. I'll be able to do some behavior assessment early because if we find out early how to start the proper therapy, our young people can be as socially interactive as possible. So uh, the earlier the better. And many times we have children in low-income families that are not being diagnosed until 12, 11, and 13 years of age, and that's far too late if we want them to be socially functional. And so, you know, just another mission, man. I just you know. Lord taps me on the shoulder and I don't argue. You know what it's him and you just go, you know? That's it. But uh, thank you for that because yeah. every week before your show airs, we're going to be bringing the spectrum and we're going to introduce uh, therapists, doctors, family members, parents, and some of the young people who are just geniuses and so bright. Uh, when you hear them, you never, I think we're going to change the, the feeling about what people think autism That's excellent. So, thank uh, you, brother. Yeah, absolutely. I, just a shout out to folks who are interested in uh, the third bridge we cross at Cominius into culture. I'm actually working this summer on writing a paper on neurodiversity, making strangers into neighbors. And the focus is on folks who are on the spectrum of autism and writing about that from a research point of view. What are we learning? Uh, what kinds of uh, stories can we tell that we have helped? We're actually going to be doing that presentation at the Sagamore Institute here in Indianapolis. Grateful for the opportunity to do that in the month of September. We'll be talking more about that, but I wanted to give HB a shout out about that Spectrum program that just popped up here this week. Thanks ever so much for joining us this week. We're grateful to be uh, not only in front of your face on Facebook, but also in your ears, your earbuds later on the podcast. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. Next week, next Wednesday on the 24th, Darnell Wilson will rejoin us from Shepherd Community. Looking forward to that. Until then, we'll see you.